Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. It's available for parties. Uh, book him through the church office. A <laughs> um, couple of things just, just as a heads up. Um, Jay mentioned something about uh, the fact that not knowing certain things can get you in trouble. And then when you know certain things, you can kind of happily get other people in trouble. This past week, I had the privilege of going with Loy Coffee and his wife Sharon to a state of the city address. Uh, and what it was was a time where folks could say, this is what's going on in the city of Navasota and they kind of went point by point by point. And if you remember, uh, we, we as citizens in Navasota had a bond in, in 2017 to be voted on, uh, to, to do some renovations, updates, things like that that needed to be done to our school district and for, for the upkeep of our buildings and also just to expand and provide more opportunities. And Stu Music was the fellow that, ab- that actually presented this, did a great job because it was, it, it was highly organized, highly sequential, and unfortunately, we got there late, okay? So when we got in, we kind of snuck in the back, and when you go to a meeting where there are a, a lot of people there, and you're trying to get in, and you're trying to sneak, let me just give you a little sneaky advice. Don't acknowledge anyone who makes eye contact with you. So as we come in, Stu's up there, and, and he can multitask, and he's in the middle of, with the pointer and explaining everything. He never misses a beat, and he looks at me, and he just kind of nods his head while he's speaking. I'm thinking, well, that's pretty cool. And I go down there, and I sit down, and a little bit later on, he says, now, there's some things that happen. He goes on, and he said, and oh, by the way, when you come in late, I always notice, right, Clyde? Now, he has to understand that while he did that in front of all of Navasota, I have the chance, I get 30 minutes to go ahead and get my payback. So here it is, folks. It is Stu Music's birthday. And so we're going to sing happy birthday to Stu Music. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Look at him change colors. To you. Happy birthday, dear Stu. Happy birthday to you. He'll never do that again, all right? Yay! <clears throat> I had a blast going to, going to that, that, that really cool uh, update about what's going on. There's stuff that is going to go on in our city that if you... All these little boys and girls that were right here, they're going to get a chance. One of the things... I got, I got to do this. This is not the sermon, but I got to tell you. They're going to get a chance to at the end, if they, if they apply themselves and take the opportunities, at the end of their high school career, they'll not only walk by and get a, get a diploma and shake the hands of their principal and superintendent, Stu Music, they can also walk across the stage and shake the hand of a Blinn College representative because they will have graduated with an associate's degree. That's coming up. That's really cool, folks. Dual credit is a really wonderful thing to save money and time in a student's life. And I'm grateful for that and for folks that God has put in leadership.
to go in and make things like that happen. Uh, guys, we're going to talk this morning and the next few weeks about some very familiar people that you know at least a part about in the Bible. And this morning we're going to start in, in the beginning. And in the beginning, Ish. Ish. Anybody in here a Bible scholar? Want to take a crack at Ish? Ish is the Hebrew word for man. It is the word, it is the Hebrew name for man. Hebrew is a remarkable language. It is a generalist language. A generalist language is that that gives you a pattern and an idea without going into all of the specifics. Without going into, here's exactly how this happened, this happened, this. This is the point that when I was sitting there watching Stu, is he's sharing point by point by point of all of the things that are going to be coming up in the Navasota Independent School District, he's going, he's going one after another, and, and it gives you not a broad picture only, but specifics. Hebrew is a broad picture language, and the word for man is ish. Unlike Greek, which has many words that describe, for instance, love, Hebrew only has two that refer to it. And that word for man is that word on uh, that transliteration word ish. And it's an interesting word. It talks about, in the book of Genesis, God's creation of Adam. And if you remember the story, the Bible says that Adam is, is formed from the dust of the ground. Remember that? He's formed from the dust of the ground. That's kind of humbling, isn't it, fellas? And he's given a specific job, and that is to name and care for the creation of God. He's to name all the animals. He is to go ahead and care for all of the creation that God has given him. God determines that Adam is lonely. This is according to God. He determines that Adam is lonely. Now, some guys might argue this point. If you've got an argument with the fact that you by yourself, guys, single, are not lonely, take it up with God. He says you were. And so he instead creates and gives the great gift, Eve, to Adam. Ecclesiastes 9.9 brings this, this gift more into a focus. It says that she is your greatest gift on this side of eternity. Guys, we're going to read in Genesis chapter 2 some scripture that talks about the creation of man and what that means for you and me in 2019. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We do this to honor the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> and I'm going to invite you to read it with me. <clears throat> then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said these words, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. In Hebrew, that word for woman is an interesting word. Now we already know, you've already passed your Hebrew test this morning, okay? Since we had a test earlier, here's the Hebrew test. What is the Hebrew word for man? Got it, good. What's the Hebrew word for woman? Weesh? No. <laughs> Close. It is actually the word ishah. It is, it is a, a suffix that basically, did I get that right? Yeah, suffix. Okay, right, suffix, prefix. Yeah, got it right. Did I get that right? Yeah, suffix. It is that add-on that says, this is exactly like me. With some really interesting modifications. When Adam sees Eve, he says, this is just like, this is bone of my bones. And guys, I had a seminary professor who was really, he was really kind of a funny guy. And he made this observation. He said, man was made out of dirt. Okay? We are made from dirt. Women are made from prime rib. Get it? Get it? Get it? Eh? 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 Yeah. Got it. When we read this account in Genesis... It is, a, it is a wonderful thing to understand that in God's economy, God wants you and me to understand that even though we are flesh, we are created in His image. You see, God formed you and me to be like Him. And this is your sole job, to be like Him. You remember how God gave Adam only one job? Your job is to be uniquely created by Him because you are, in fact, uniquely created by Him. I want us to look at this one particular Scripture. It is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. You're uniquely created to be like Him. I want you to look at it. It says, Then, the God, then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them, rule, <clears throat> let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. In that particular scripture, multiple times God reiterates, I made you, I made you, I made you, I made you, I created you. You are uniquely created by God. There, is no, there are no accidental people. However you came into this world, God had a purpose and a plan for you. Genetically, there is absolutely no one like you. Even if you are an identical twin, identical twins eventually begin to mutate cells. They don't mutate the DNA, but their cellular structure mutates. 
so that 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 person that is identical in DNA will actually be a separate, identifiable entity. You are unique. And God created you that way. Did you notice in that Scripture that we just read that God speaks to plural. Let us create man in our image. Let me ask you a question. Who is God talking to when He's saying that in Genesis chapter 1? Who's He talking to? God doesn't... There were others there? God is talking to the pre-incarnate Jesus. Oh, by the way, He was there during creation. In the beginning, God spoke creation into being. Out of nothing, God creates. And you say, well, okay, how's that Jesus? Kick over to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Out of the mouth of God, His Word creates. Let us create man in our image means that God was speaking to that us that was Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. You see, you are uniquely formed to be like Him. And your mission in life is to bring God glory. Adam had only one job, to name things and to watch over those things. And he failed in this only endeavor God had for him. Had he chosen to do his job correctly, there would be a difference in the world this very morning. Some of you all remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark series of movies. I love those things. I love to watch them. Here's Indiana Jones, got the really nice hat on, you know, got the whip, you know, got all that stuff. And in one of them where they're trying to find the Holy Grail, oh, by the way, that's the cup that, that supposedly that Jesus had on the Last Supper. It's called the Grail. And it was supposed to have magical powers. By the way, the Bible says nothing about that. But it's Hollywood. And if you take this thing, you could heal diseases. You could go ahead and, and, and cure things. Aggies could win the national championship. There could be all kinds of things that break out that have not happened in a long time. And there's this room full of cups, if you remember that. And there's this old guy that was supposedly a Templar knight that's guarding the place. And Indiana Jones comes in there and the bad guy comes in and has the gun and they choose a cup. You remember the old guy, the, the, the bad guy, re- reaches in, he grabs a cup and he takes, dips it in the water and he takes a drink. And then he kind of, he kind of, he gets old really fast, Okay. there, right there, right there, okay? He gets old really fast, right in front of your eyes. And he shrivels all up, and then he kind of goes, poof, and that's it. And the, the old Templar guy goes, he chose poorly. Remember that? Listen, guys, Adam chose poorly. Adam chose poorly. As a matter of fact, what happens with Adam is is during the temptation story, if you remember that, Eve is in the garden and, and 
there's a serpent there. And you remember what happens. The serpent begins to tell, to question her, and as he does, instead of going ahead and saying, denying straight up what God has told him, by the way, what God told Adam was, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, everything else in here, you can, you can, you don't even go to it, don't, don't do anything. Don't eat of it. And you remember what happens. Eve is told by the serpent, did God really say that? By the way, when Satan approaches you and he does his work of tempting you and me, one of the first things he does is always try to introduce the very issue of doubt. Yeah, is that really going if, to... If, if you follow God, is that really going to happen if you follow... If you, did God really say that? And there was this issue of doubt. And then he says, surely if you ate that, instead you're going to be like God... And you're going to know everything that God knows. Guys, listen. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that Satan, who was called Lucifer, who was cast down, this brilliant angel cast down from heaven because he wanted to be like the Most High. So what Satan is doing to Eve is saying, I want you to choose to be like me. I wanted to be like God. Choose that. So, well, how does this affect Adam? Guys, I firmly believe Adam was there when this dialogue is going on with Eve. And I'll tell you why I believe that. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't say that he was standing right there. But this is what it does say. It says, when she took the fruit and she ate of it, what was the instant result and consequence of her doing that? What, what was guaranteed for her? What was it? The Bible says, if you eat this, you will surely die. She had a time stamp on her life. Now before we line up to go ahead and give Eve a good beating in heaven, let me share with you, you would have done the same thing. It says in Scripture, and in Hebrew, the literal word means she went to Adam, turned to Adam, if you will. And Adam saw her and realized this is a woman who is dead. And I have the choice of being with her or being with him. He chose poorly. He chose poorly. You see, even as you are uniquely created by God, and even as God has used you, and you have been, been chosen by Him to become something greater, Adam chose fellowship with Eve over fellowship with God. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. I don't know this. This is one that kind of out of this story kind of works in me. Let me ask you this question. If Adam had said no when he's offered that, that piece of fruit, and, and by the way, we say it's an apple. I don't know what it was. I think it's something exotic like a kumquat. As he's offering, offered this, if he had said no, what would have happened? 
what would have happened? Would the curse still be upon us? Would it, would it have meant that he would have watched the one that was gifted to him perish? Could God go ahead and recreate someone new? Guys, we're never going to know that because Adam simply chose his fellowship with Eve over his fellowship with God. And because of that sin, there became a barrier, a wall that stood between God and man. And guys, listen to me. This is the part where we sit down and say, as, as, as children of God, we sit down and say, there is now sin not only among all of mankind, but this is the, the part where original sin comes into place. Original sin means that we inherit the sin from Adam all the way back. That means you and I this morning, whether we have ever done anything, that means every baby, precious as they are, delivered, carries with them that sin of Adam. I can't even comprehend that. You see a brand new little baby and it looks like you, or it, it, it turns its head and it, it and for the very first time gives you a smile. You go, that couldn't be a sinner. But the Bible says that that child and you and me have inherited the sin of Adam age to age, generation to generation, passed down because of what his choice was. And guys, let me share with you, choosing that fellowship with Eve over God means that we only have one hope. It means that the same avenue of escape that God describes in chapter 2 of Genesis. If you read a little farther down, He talks about some of the consequences of sin. Consequences always follow sin. Always. What are the consequences of sin? No more garden. No more fellowship with God. And ladies, childbirth just got a lot harder. Okay? But it also talks about in the midst of that consequence, God says this, and this was the promise and the hope. There will be one that will come from the seed of a woman that is going to bruise the head of the enemy of the serpent. And that one is Jesus. You see, even back in the book of Genesis, it talks about and it reveals to you and me that there would be one that would one day make your sin right. How does He do that? You and I can't go ahead and buy our way out of hell, get rid of our sin by somehow putting in an offering plate enough money that God will go, ah, it's okay now. What you did is alright. That doesn't work that way. Instead, what happens is your sin sticks to you and it can't be released. It can't be covered up with clothes. It is instead something that goes through and through you. It is you. And what God has to do is take you and me when we come to the cross of Calvary and remake us. The, the Bible uses a great term, a Greek term, that we translate over as transform. That means make a, not go ahead and make us a little bit different. It means fundamentally change us from what we were to what we are now. And what we are now is that person 
that God created Adam to be. You're created to bring God glory. To bring Him glory. I love Charles Schultz. I've shared with you before. In one of his comic strips, Linus is, at, is, is, is asked, what is the thing that God wants to go in and do? And Charlie Brown, God wants us to bring Him glory. To bring Him glory. That's the one thing. And guys, listen. That is in the Bible. God still has a plan for you to bring Him glory. Bringing Him glory by choosing Him over sin. If you're sitting there with the same choice Adam had, here's sin right there, and it's held out and offered to you, you have the choice to say, uh-uh, fellowship with God. How can you bring God glory? Choose Him over sin. How can you bring God glory? By becoming God's trophy that He puts on His mantle of heaven. And when He does, underneath, there'll be a little tagline, He chose me. God would say, he cho She chose me. She didn't do what Adam did. She finally came, He finally came to the place where He chose me. Do you see how this all fits back to in the beginning? Yeesh. You have a choice, just like Adam did. And that choice has to be, I want to fellowship with God. And you and I can't do that because of sin, but that sin barrier is absolutely crushed and destroyed when Jesus Christ comes into your life. Guys, listen to me. Jesus coming into your life doesn't come by walking an aisle, getting baptized, or becoming a church member. I'll say it again. I lived for years believing that I was a Christian because I was told you're going to church and you are a Christian. Guys, you are not a Christian because you're born to a good family. You're a Christ follower only because you say you want Jesus to forgive your sin. That's it. And if that's your heart this morning, then you can bring God glory by choosing Him over death. And then finally, the good news is that it can happen right now. You don't have to wait for special moments. Matter of fact, at the end of this service, we have a song that we always sing, and during the time I stand right down here at our altar area, and, and if God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, you need to go ahead and say, hey, I, I've I've decided to choose God. He chose me and I've decided to choose Him back and I want Him to become my Lord and, and I'm ready to go ahead and tell people that, that that's happened. I want to go ahead and plug my life into a church family. I stand there for that very reason. You, during the song, you can come down and make that confession publicly known. Jesus died for us publicly. We publicly acclaim that, he, that we belong to Him. That's why we do this. Guys, let me share with you what happens during this time. The same serpent that began to go ahead and cast all kinds of doubt into Eve's life is the same one that's going to show up during this time. And he's going to have one mission only. To kill, steal, and destroy you from being what God wants you to be. That's his job. 
And you can choose, and I'm going to say this in the fullness of what it means, because the ultimate destination for Satan is hell. Hear how I'm saying that. Biblically, you get to tell Satan to go to hell. That's what it means when you choose God. That's what it means. And you have the opportunity to do that this morning. Pray with me. God, it's so easy to look in Scripture and today sit there and say, you know, if I had been there, I would have chosen differently. I would have chosen wisely and not poorly. But God, the real truth is, I would be just like every person that I read about and the very person that I am this morning. I pray, Father, instead that you'll go ahead and offer an opportunity for anyone that is here to choose better than what Adam did. To choose you. And this morning, I believe that there's some here that would make that very choice. Some here that would say, you know what, I, I've chosen Jesus and now I want to plug myself into a place to serve Him. And this is that time and that place. Help us to not listen to the one that will cast doubt, that will go ahead and try to say, Hey, wait for a better time another day. The Bible says today is the very day of salvation. And so, Lord, this is your time. I pray that you will be honored and glorified in it. And we pray these things in the powerful, strong name of Jesus who was there during creation and who is right here, right now. We love you, Lord. Bless this time. You use it as God leads. Amen and amen. Ross is going to share with us a song together. This is that time that I shared with you. If God has a decision for you to make, you come as we sing together. Stand together. We'll sing this song.